make me feel so young You make me feel like spring has sprung Like the way he's speaking His confidence is peaking Don't like his baggy jeans But I'ma like what's underneath him and Love is a Welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Space Servant 18. And today we are doing the penultimate episode of season five, Old Dogs New Tricks, written by our favorite actor who plays Kurt, Chris Colfer. And uh, returning, I have some really awesome guests, so I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Bethany. I am not that bee on Tumblr. And I am Wow Bright, and you can call me Wow for short. I'm Wow Bright on Tumblr, <laughs> and, Hi, guys. Else. and everywhere else. And everywhere else, awesome. Yeah. Well, welcome back, guys. Hi. Um, so, yeah. um, we're talking about old people and dogs today because mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> those are Chris Culver's, Culver's favorite things, apparently. <laughs> um, True that. Uh, Kicking it off, let me just ask you guys, what do you guys think of this episode as just a, you know, an episode um, that Chris wrote? I mean, what do you, what are your guys' opinions on his writing as a whole for this episode? Um, I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Um, I can definitely see Chris in a lot of it, um, just from, like, the little bits that we get of him through social media and through all the BTS stuff. Like I remember there was an interview with Darren where he was talking about how he was reading the script and he was like, yeah, that's things that stuff Chris says. And I can see it. Like I can hear Chris's words coming out of these people's mouths. Um, But I think he did a good job. There are some aspects that I'm not crazy about, but on, on the whole, I think my issues mostly come with, I feel like the placement of this episode is a little off. But that's a, a, that doesn't have anything to do with Chris's writing of it. Yeah, um, I overall liked it. There was uh, some zingers that I really liked, one-liners or two-liners. <laughs> um, some of it seemed uh, very meta or fourth wally, but in a different way than than Glee usually does the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, I mean, it was Chris's fourth wall instead of. Yeah. 
Ryan Murphy's fourth wall. Although that was more like in the first two seasons, but you know that kind of thing. And then, um, like especially him loving old people. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> Kurt actually loving old people before. Did I miss that? But um, I don't think so. I yeah, don't think but he has. like that. Yeah. I, lo- I loved the whole dog adoption thing. I like sweet. There was a point where it got too sweet for me, but we'll talk about that later. And uh, <laughs> but I, I thought the writing overall was good um yeah and i would agree it was a little weird the placement like i think it should have been earlier in the season mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's uh, odd for a season episode because it's kind of a standalone episode and those are and and to me that's a little weird to have that toward the end of the season but yeah. i think a good episode overall i wonder if this would have played a little differently had we've gotten the full 22 i think um, so yeah because I know that we had to cut to from season five because Corey's death pushed everything back and they decided not to do those final two. So if this had played like four episodes before the end instead of the episode of the, before the end or something like that, it might have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it so doesn't really the, work. The last episode before the end. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking there were two more, but yeah. Um, so yeah, we have basically three plot lines in this and they kind of nicely kind of all mesh together. I do think that's kind of cool because a lot of times, especially, uh, and not so much in the New York arc, but, um, you know, seasons four and five, we'll have like these different plot lines and while there might be the theme of the week going on, they don't really dovetail into each other very well. Mm hmm. So I, I think it's kind of cool that these kind of all tie up together. So right. um, we start off, though, with we've got um, kind of kicking off the whole plot is a scene in the the, the diner. Uh, well, they're not at their diner. No, they're it's not like, actually at the diner. They're just like having lunch somewhere. Yeah. And that's kind of nice because we get for so long, I felt like the show was like kind of cramped in the loft and in McKinley. So it's nice that they've been trying to make a point to show it other places. Um, but we get this starting and um, we get Rachel's plot line that kind of kicks it off where she is, uh, she just had her opening night and then she just bailed on opening night for, um, for uh, going to do this TV show and she is now like a blind item, mm-hmm. um, which I think that's probably a little meta because they're, especially at the, this time, there are all those blind yeah. things that people there thought was were about Glee. Big one going on with the with that people thought was about Glee. Well, there were several, but there was one big one um, that was going on right around this time, which was very funny. Oh, I don't remember it. So. <laughs> You do. You remember it. I promise. Oh, you, okay. Well, now you have to enlighten us. It's the one to... with it's Leah and Naya. They're uh, like stuff going a, on. I didn't know that was a blind item. It was started as a blind item. Oh, okay. Okay. So yep. anyway, so um, two things out of this scene though is the fact that um, first of all, Rachel wants to get her her image back. So, um, basically Santana enlists herself to become her publicist. And I actually like Santana as the publicist in this episode. I do too. I think it's actually a very good job for her. I mean, it's basically bossing people around. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think she'd be really good at it. Plus, you know, I mean, I just, I can see it for Santana. Um, but the other part of this is that like Kurt's there and he's kind of in the middle, even though there's like people that you don't know on, on the side, but, and I, I kind of, he's like, kind of like a self-proclaimed dead mother that will say later on to maybe, yeah. but he like tells racial inside voices. Yes. And I was, he wants <laughs> that is my favorite part of this whole scene where he's like, right out. All right, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying that's my favorite part of this scene. Like Rachel's going on and on and she's like, blah, blah, blah. And he's just total deadpan inside voice, honey. And she goes, oh, right. Sorry. And like, <laughs> What <laughs> cracks me up every time, and and like he he asks for everybody to like go join him to a movie or whatever, and they all have got like these other things, and she's Rachel's kind of hilariously over the. T- Did anybody else notice that Rachel is a little bit over the top in this episode? <laughs> like, yeah, which actually kind of made me feel not better, but it was like Leah was playing her especially over the top. So yeah. you know what I mean, like. I don't know. It made me happy because she was kind of like, oh, I see where you're going with this. I'm going to play her like that. And it's going to be awesome. You know what I mean? Um, the, the point of this scene, though, is to kick off the fact that Kurt kind of feels, I don't know, like a, on the outside looking into his group of friends. And, you know, that's kind of the crux of the story where, like... All of them are doing things, and if there's even a line about Blaine going off with doing stuff with June, and um, yeah, he feels kind of lonely and kind of falling behind everybody else. And I think, you know, it's been a long time since we saw a Kurt by himself, you know, plot line. I don't think we've done anything since Frenemies, where Kurt has had a plot line to himself. So right, so. Um, and then it also kicks off, like, what did you guys think of the whole, like, there's a dog in this woman's purse and then Rachel goes off to scold her? <laughs> it was, I, I don't know. It, that was one of the pieces where I'm just kind of like, okay, like, this is a thing we're doing now, I guess. It's going to set up everything for later, but I don't really see Rachel. I don't, I don't know. I don't really see it. <laughs> I don't know. I just, um, I wondered if it was like an LA thing or, I mean, do, is that a thing that people do? Oh in- yeah. That's a huge okay. thing people do. Okay. I kind of want to quickly, cause I don't want to spend too much time on it. Let's talk about, um, the Sam and Mercedes plot line real quick, because it is kind of the one, it kind of sits in its own place. <laughs> um, and basically, the long and the short of it is that Sam and Mercedes, um, they adopt a dog, and it's called what, McConaughey? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Mercedes is getting ready to do all of her tour stuff, and she wants Sam to um, take care of it. And there's a really funny scene where, um, uh, like, 
the dog gets into everything. I kind of love the moment where like, like Sam and Artie are like playing video games and the dog yeah. like gets into stuff. And so Artie is like, Mercedes gets home and then Artie like kind of starts backing out of there. Cause it's like so awkward. And yeah. then she finds the dog and in, in her weaves and she, she's like, Oh no, don't tell me <laughs> like that whole scene. I think is really hilarious. Right. Like Artie's like, I got your back. And then the second, <laughs> the second Mercedes walks in the door, he's like, I tried to tell him. <laughs> oh my gosh um funny but the whole purpose of it is to say um you know it's kind of it's interesting that they're gonna break up in the next episode because this whole like plot line is about you know them having a real conversation about like can sam take care of uh, an actual other thing and he doesn't think a mercedes has faith in him and so he tries to go train the dog, and they do that montage over the Wolves of London. Werewolves of London? <laughs> Werewolves of London, yeah. And, and they kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, like, Mercedes says that she trusts him and everything like that. And it's it's a nice little plot, side plot. Mm-hmm. And then they decide to give up the dog because they're both going to be gone a lot. So Right. But I don't know. Would you guys have any thoughts on that particular plot line? Um, well, I guess, uh, sorry, the thing I, I, I remember that I thought at the time <laughs> when I was watching sure. Glee every week, cause I, you know, watched this out of context was that, um, like the way that, that, um, well, I guess it, I guess it depends. And maybe, so maybe this is changing the subject, but what was your head cam for this episode? Was Blaine still living with? With Sam and Mercedes or not? Yes. Um, because he doesn't officially move back in until the end of Rachel Berry Project. Now I have there. my own headcanon that he wasn't there a whole lot. Yeah, I think he was over. Yeah, I think my his stuff too. lived at Mercedes' house. And I think that when they wanted alone time, they would sometimes go to the townhouse. But I think they were still spending 90% of their nights together. Okay. Yeah, I guess because the the reason I asked was like the way that um, Sam talked about the dog and like talked about himself, like like with Mercedes being away, he talks about being all alone at the house. Which I guess I guess that he would literally be all alone if Blaine is at Kurt's. But I guess I was thinking he was thinking more of terms of. Like, his relationship, like, he's really focused on his relationship with Mercedes and, like, mm-hmm. feeling like a team. So, like, half the team is gone or whatever. And then, and just, like, tying that in with the dog, like, he keeps talking about the dog as if, like, I mean, the dog lives in this house, apparently with three people. But he just talks about it, like, with him and Mercedes, like, they're his parents. And it reminded me, or the dog's parents. And it also, it reminded me of... um of of the episode back when he was dating Brittany and he mm-hmm. gets Brittany a cat like there's this thing oh, that, yeah. that that Sam is doing like there's something going on with Sam and animals as mm-hmm. like an expression of love and like maybe trying to cement a relationship through like let's not have a baby cuz that would be ridiculous <laughs> but let's get a Let's get a pet because then our love can just grow through this third party and we can love it and then our love for each other and boom, boom, and there's so much love. Do you think Sorry, that's that was hard? Ties- 
<laughs> no, it's okay. I was just, it made me think, do you think that ties in with like getting Quinn a, a, a promise ring? Yes. Like, a cu- couple, you know, it's like, here, let me give you gifts to prove that I like am in love with you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, let me show you how much I'm invested in this relationship. Let me do this grand gesture thing to show you how much I care about you and how much I care about our relationship. But maybe he switches from like uh, promise rings to animals. Cause like animals <laughs> yeah. are more of a commitment. I mean, right. hopefully, I mean like hopefully when you get an animal, you actually are committing to raising it. Or at yeah. least if you stop being able to raise it, finding an appropriate home for it. But yeah. Right. Um, so I think he's like, Oh, well, I don't know the way I was raised. You get an animal, you're totally committing yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think maybe it's even more of an illustration than a promise ring is. Cause like I'm making this huge commitment and you're part of it, mm-hmm. even though I didn't tell you about it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a commitment to you. Yeah, well, and I think that's part of Mercedes point at the end too, where it's like, Look, we you're not we're like we're our lives are going to go in these two different directions and as much as we are committed to each other in the specific time, you know, who's to say what the future is and it's not really fair to us or to the dog right if we're not yeah. going to be there for yeah. him. So, but um I kind of think this is the most solid like it's not my favorite part of the episode, but I do think it's like I don't know. I think Sam and Mercedes really uh, conversation at the end was very sweet and very mature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah. agree. Okay. So switching gears then. Um, so let's talk about all of this. Um, Kurt stuff and Rachel stuff and Santana stuff. And there's not really a whole lot of blame in it. And I think that's intentional. I think mm-hmm. Chris was like, and you know, okay, just to throw this out there, let's talk about this real quick. Um, there's not a lot of blame in it. I think that Chris knew that if he wrote a lot of blame, he was going to get a lot of stuff on the internet about it. Mm-hmm. And he did what I think is the wisest choice and kind of just, we got an obligatory, very nice clean scene, which we'll talk about in a minute and kind of let Blaine do a couple little lines. And that was about it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Well, also Blaine has a story going on right now, whereas <laughs> Kurt or yeah, Kurt doesn't really have an ongoing story. Like he's kind of part of Blaine's story, but it's not his story. Right. So it makes sense that this story, this episode is about Kurt and Blaine is included in that because Blaine is included with Kurt, but he's on the sidelines. Like he's off with June most of this episode and that's fine. That's just the way it is. And it's probably, it's very true to, you know, the situation where the situation would have been like Kurt is feeling like all of his friends have all and his fiance have this whole life that he's, he's not quite there. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like Blaine has this huge thing that he's working towards and Kurt's like, well, I don't have that huge thing that I'm working towards. And it's not a resentment kind of a thing. It's more of a, this, I'm taking this for me. Right. Yeah. Um, can, can I get gossipy? Sure. I mean, it's not really gossipy, but you know, I, I mean, I guess my sense with Chris was that he thought that they're, that Kurt and Blaine were a little codependent 
or, you know, that they weren't really a healthy relationship model. That is all the impression that I got for, like, not that he hated them or something, but just that they were not, they did not have a healthy relationship or healthy boundaries. And so for me, like, I, I feel like this, this uh, episode more models like healthy boundaries or like having your yeah. own identity outside mm-hmm. of, a relationship without like throwing it in your face or like, or without being negative about the relationship. Cause I don't think Chris, well, one, he would know that would not be consistent with the plot or the characters. And I, you know, I don't think that right. at this point it was more that people need to be well, there, be not what? defined by a relationship alone. Right. And, and just a couple of things to bounce or add on to that too. Uh, first of all, he had two stipulations for this. He was not allowed to kill anybody and he was not allowed to break up Kurt and Blaine. Um, <laughs> I remember him saying that. He did it a little. Uh, yes. But, but I, I, I agree. I think that, um, I, I think that Kurt, he really, really wanted to have Kurt have his own individual mm-hmm. stories. And yes. I don't blame him for that because we talked about this in the backup plan, which is previous episode. There's a couple of lines where it's like, hey, we're getting married. We have to do our careers together. And I'm like, no, like, <laughs> why do the writers keep doing that? And they've when done it with like, married, we have to do our what together? Our careers together. Oh, like, careers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when the June stuff starts. Um, and, uh, you know, there's this one particular scene where it's like, Hey, we're getting married. We should do all of this stuff together. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. no, like, no. And it, as much as I, I mean, I, I love Kurt and Blaine as a couple, but it's like, that is not a healthy like mentality. Like right. let's be a little bit more individualistic in our relationship. And that's not a bad thing at all. And I do agree that Chris, you know, n- not just because of, you know, internet scary people, but it's like, yeah, Kurt has not had a solo plot line in a very long time. It's okay that he gets one. That's right. Like, and I think that's what Chris wanted to write. And I, you know, that's and not, him. and not only does he have a solo plot line that's separate from Blaine, but the plot is not that it's separate from Blaine. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, right. It's like, right. that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is about Kurt. Not right. that he's not with Blaine in this story. Also got the impression that you know, yeah, he's he's uh, as we get into this next scene with the introduction of Maggie, he is kind of sad that all of his friends are going off and doing things and and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't feel I feel like this frustration is more aimed at Rachel <laughs> than it is yes. with Blaine. Big I, I mean, time. yeah. He is like, you know, Blaine's going off and doing stuff with June, and he is a little uh, about that. But I think mostly, especially with Rachel's actions in this particular episode, I think a lot of his frustration is watching Rachel and then Santana be, you know, doing all these things and then being a jerk to him, basically. And right. his anger and frustration with that more so than anything that has to do with Blaine. I don't really think this is a relationship issue. I think this is a friendship issue. I think so too. And I also, um, I think the issue, because I'm drawing on the next episode where they have that cute scene where he's like, finally, I get some alone time with you on the couch. That was the previous episode. Oh, it was the previous episode. Yeah. So mate, like I always kind of got the impression that his, um, not frustration. That's not the word I want to use, but his kind of like almost like a sadness kind of thing is like, because Blaine is off doing his own thing. 
I don't know how to put this the way I want it to put it because it's not that he's doing his own thing without him, but it's like almost like there's a part of him that misses him. So like, so like he needs something that's just his. Yeah. But also like she's, he's also doing a performance thing and he's not Blaine. I shouldn't use pronouns here. Blaine is off doing a performance, you know, going off in my career thing. And Kurt still feels like, yes, he hasn't progressed any. Right. Um, and also, it's like an entire episode about Kurt. I mean, not the whole episode is about Kurt, but there's this definite Kurt arc, and he doesn't cry. There's no crying. There's no like super like Kurt getting his heart broken by right. something or someone. It's like it's a actually, nice, you yeah. know, Kurt is happy in this yeah. episode, and he's snarky and he bites back. Like, oh my gosh! As much as I love Rachel, and most people know that I love her very much, she needed him to clap back at her. She yeah. needed him to say those things back at her because. He's needed to for a while. And it kind of goes back to like this dynamic has been going on for a while between the two of them. I mean, like, that's why we had the season four episode Diva mm-hmm. is because she just kind of, as she says in the beginning scene, you know, her, her cause has always been herself. Right. So, okay. So, yeah. So we have Kurt at the diner. And we get the introduction of Maggie Banks. So we get the introduction of Maggie Banks, who is an elderly woman who has wandered off from her retirement home to put on, um, uh, hand out flyers about the retirement home's production of Peter Pan, which is a fairy tale, which is the trifecta of criticisms for this episode. Uh, Old people, dogs, and fairy tales. (laughs) It's all baked up in a nice little 45-minute show. (laughs) Um, So uh, what are you guys' impressions of Maggie Banks in this particular moment and June Squibb, who is the guest star? Um, How do I want to say this without getting mean things said to me? I... I'm not a big fan of June Squibb. And I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even Uh, know who she was. So in a lot, like, I guess she was, I don't even know that much about her, but I just know that recently she's been in a lot of things. At the time, there was this movie called Nebraska that she won, like, an Academy Award for. But I think her delivery her kind of awkward delivery of that. Cause I've never seen the movie. I've just seen clips of it and she kind right. of plays the same kind of maybe uh, like a R rated version of like <laughs> Maggie Banks. But she you know, plays she... that same character all the time. Like oh, everything okay. that I've seen her and she's playing that same character. Oh, okay. So, well, I had no idea. So I liked her fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Cute old person. Right. right. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is the only time where I think that, I mean, there's going to be one problematic scene that we'll talk about later, but the only time where I feel like the dialogue is a little 
dim. Yeah, a little just clunky. <laughs> a little clunky, uh, and not even on Kurt's part. But though I do like the scene, where, like where she comes in and she's like, "What's wrong?" And he's like, "You know, I all of this stuff." But then I usually drowned it out in an <laughs> episode of Long Island Medium, which. <laughs> Let me just say, I do the same thing, only with, like, tearful uh, um, videos on YouTube of parents surpri- parents coming home and surprising their kids that they've been on deployment. Like, whenever I need to cry, I will just pull up those videos on YouTube and just watch them for, like, an hour and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And then I feel better. Oh, that's good. Well, I was going to say that's a, another fourth wall break because... Um, Chris really loves Long Island Medium. Yeah, hasn't he like, hasn't he like been at a party or something with the lady who's on that? Yeah, but he, for a long time he was he kept retweeting like I'm watching Long Island Medium and stuff like that. <laughs> like, okay. Is that like a reality show? Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. it sounds like the Vegas like that kooky stuff. The Vegas term of reality show. <laughs> right, right. But he's so, into that weird. Well, okay, that's that's my being very judgmental, but you know he's into that yeah paranormal stuff. weirdness, like the alien stuff. Yeah. Right. But, um, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> no, well, I don't know. Stan, such a nerd that oh, I don't like. I don't. In, I'm not into any of that stuff. No, um, but I will say I I know because when he was promoting one of his other books, he was talking about the fact that this is so gossipy. I don't know if I might cut this, but um. That after his mom died, he saw an alien on his bed, and then he went way off the deep end in the whole alien. And he's been watching ancient aliens and all the yeah that medium was stuff. And wasn't that the okay? Well, I used to draw pictures of aliens in my closet when I was like four years old. So, but I got over it, Chris. <laughs> we still yeah. love you, Chris. <laughs> I remember that, Pam. I remember, and like that was what his the podcast he did with RuPaul. Oh, he talked okay. about that. He talked about a lot of stuff. Like that was very. Whew, you can totally cut this, <laughs> but it was very like probably the most open intimate he's been in, and open in he's been since like he was since like mom died. Yeah, like in a long time, but a spe- definitely since his mom died. So anyway. Okay, so we get, you know, the scene, and he meets Maggie, and Maggie, he kind of considers a, a kindred spirit because, I don't know, she's kind of an only low, old person, too, and she, they find she out. Had, she oh, had that sorry. flop on Broadway. Yeah. She had, like, the biggest flop, and so I think he kind of, like, relates to her in another way, like, she is, like, this famous person, but she's famous because she had this giant flop. Right, and do you remember what musical it's for? Uh, Helen Keller, the musical, I want to say. Oh, God. She can't can't speak or hear, but boy, can she sing. I think it's what she (laughs) Could you imagine? Oh, my God. I cannot. I cannot. That's like the the play that the producers would have put on. Like, (laughs) 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 well... That's oh man, but but yeah, this whole retirement home is for the elderly uh, performers or old Broadway performers. So, which is, um, I think that is adorable. So, um, meanwhile, Rachel and Santana have cooked up a plan. Um, they are going to 
uh, come up with a an adoption agency for dogs, and they have named it cleverly. This is totally a criticism, Broadway bitches. Right. Yeah. And I just think that Leah and Naya just thought that was the funniest thing because when Leah first says it, like you can see, like when well, Rachel says it, but when you can see Leah smiling, like she's like, oh, this is funny. <laughs> I also, there's the, when they first started cooking up ideas for it and Santana, first of all, I, I'm going to give Chris credit for writing Santana because Santana is, just has the best lines in this whole episode. So, is it better? I say he looks really oh, good man. in the harness when the harness is over his jeans. Yeah, looks really good. That's my most important comment about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, he's well, also better. His hair, his hair is Peter Pan. Ah. Yeah, he just looks yeah, delicious okay. in this whole episode. I am not gonna lie. <laughs> we will get to that and then properly, <laughs> properly enjoy that. Um, so anyway, I, I was saying what I was saying was that I think Santana has some of the best lines. Uh, there's a line in this particular scene where Santana's like, and this designer has so many vowels in it. Or, are so many consonants in it and no vowels. Or, I don't know. It's really yeah. funny. It makes me think of something that Chris might have said back when he started the show. Like, I can't pronounce this desire yeah. because it has so many he like, says, consonants uh, or vowels the, or whatever. The line is, um, and this designer is so famous, I can't even pronounce it. There's hardly any vowels. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So anyway, um, Kurt comes in and he's, you know, had this nice chat with Maggie and... For the first time in a long time, he's feeling a little bit better about himself and, and basically says he'll, like, check out the the Peter Pan stuff. And um, he comes in and he mentions – or there, Santana and Rachel are talking about the um, this performance that, the, that Rachel is going to be putting on. And he wants to be a part of it. And Santana and Rachel are like, eh, no, not going right. to happen. And even Mercedes is in on it. I don't know why they're not letting Kurt – um, because it's probably just for girls. It's the um, Broadway bitches. Oh, I guess that makes sense. And That's what my takeaway was anyway, that it was like a girls but, only kind of a thing. No, but he's one of the girls. We yeah. established that back I in... I completely season. agree. <laughs> <laughs> what was the season where Rachel and Finn were going to get married? Season three? Yeah, season three, yeah. Three. Officially, so okay. Yeah. I do like because he he mentions one three hill. His band is on hiatus, and that Yo- uh, Elliot is at a yoga retreat, and Danny is doing roller derby. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's again another like nice nod to continuity. I mean, had the writers completely forgotten about his band? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know he. There were so there were several like, and of course I did not write them down. So yeah, but there were like a lot of little good continuity things. Like oh, mm-hmm. yes, those pe- those things that actually happened in this person's life, or you know. But they're just yeah, I I really I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And then this is one of the. Does he go off on Rachel twice this episode or just this time? I'm forgetting. Well, but. he kind of does it twice here. He's kind of like, um, this is kind of like the the milder version of the one he does later. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's like, I wish somebody would have just like throw me a bone for once and like right. kind of, you know, yells at them. I wonder if part of this is also 
some residue between because there's the whole Rachel and Santana like fighting and he was in the middle of that for so long and now they're like oh buddy buddy and getting along and doing this stuff without him and it just I guess if I were him I'd be kind of like irritated too just like come on I sat through all of that I dealt with all your crap now you're not helping me out at all yeah so all right so we get our nursing home um where they are rehearsing Peter Pan. Yes. And um, this this also, I'm going to like not be able to not point out the criticisms, but the lady who dies in the harness. I know. It's so <laughs> awkward, but yet it's like, yeah, I can see Chris writing that. <laughs> kind of, so somebody is, did die in this episode. That, they, yes. That's true. He did kill someone. <laughs> That's true. Maybe he just wanted to get around rule number one. Um, (laughs) But we also get um, our other two cameos, which were Billy D. Williams, who is famous for playing Lando Calrissian on Star Wars, and Tim Conway, which I don't know what he's famous for. Oh, he's been in lots of stuff. Yeah. He's like one of those, I feel like he was in a lot of... um, I want to say he was in like Happy Days or something, but maybe um, was it Taxi that he was in? Oh, maybe Taxi. Okay. Let's, see. Let's. Oh, he's from the Carol Burnett show. Oh, okay. Which was I remember him from that, but I feel like he was also in. Let's see. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but oh. yes, he was in the Carol Burnett show. Um. He had his own show for a little while. Whatever. Anyway, yes, he was very, he's a pretty, you know, recognizable face. I I will recommend, like, take a look at all of the old people in the background of all of these scenes. They are adorable and doing hilarious. I know. (laughs) (laughs) know, Right? (laughs) Like, I feel like their direction was just like, just do what you want to (laughs) do. We don't care. Just be you. Go for and it. They're so cute. Like there's these two old dudes. Like, and then there's one guy in the um, in the alligator costume that Kurt's gonna wear in the next episode. Isn't and that, isn't he hmm? the odd alligator? There's an old gentleman dressed up as an alligator. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Isn't there alligator in? Peter Wait, isn't Pan that Tim that, Conway? Like, That's Tim Conway. Oh, it is. He's Tim dressed Conway? as the alligator. Yeah, he's the alligator <laughs> in Peter Pan. Okay. And then, like, there's this old guy dressed up as a pirate who can't hear, and he's in a wheelchair, and everybody has to, like, hey, you know, we're doing this now. Hey, we're doing this. It's just really funny. The whole um, thing is very funny. But the funniest part, oh, my gosh, is when Tim Conway is sitting on that chair, and he, like, motions for Kurt to sit down. And then <laughs> and then he's like, are you going to get up? And Kurt's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The whole <laughs> just kills me every time because it's like the comedic timing and the two of them and like the Tim Conway's like just being ridiculous like I don't know if, if you guys watch the BTS stuff from this episode mm-hmm. but oh, they no. like it's hilarious like you could probably find it on YouTube see if I can find it but it's just so funny because they like had them and they're like interview and they just don't give a shit they don't care they're just you know whatever 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 (laughs) but it's really super cute and um then maggie goes on and talks about how you know they're 
this is the only thing they have to live for. And now they, and I'm sure, and I'm sure Chris did this. I, I think this is also a criticism that, you know, there's this whole plot line of these older folks wanting something to live for. And they're doing Peter Pan, which is a story about, you know, these, kids who live forever and that these old people even though they're old they're still like these young kids who will you know want to live on forever and have fun and stuff like that i feel like there's some meta in there somewhere mm-hmm. so it's not just about chris wanting to dress up as peter pan though i'm sure that's a huge part of it um so um but yeah he says that he can you know be peter if they'll let him and i love that they're like well you have to audition we have standards <laughs> 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 so and so then we get um chris's it's not quite a solo i kind of wish it was a solo yeah, um and he plays memory and and what do you guys think of that performance um i like it it's it's i i agree i wish it was more of a solo i don't really need it to be a duet or whatever but i think chris wanted it to be so i'm fine with it yeah. What What do you guys think of all of the, because this is where, like, they zoom in on the headshots of the younger versions yeah, of. Yeah, kind of, eh, kind of through that. I don't really care. Is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little sappy, but I mean, I don't know. Do some, maybe some people need a, need, need to. Need a reminder that old people used to be young. I mean, I think some people need that reminder. So it might be, you know, I think it might be effective for some people. Yeah. I usually remember that or recognize that old people are people. I mean, I don't necessarily like them, but I don't like most people, you know. So, I mean, I don't necessarily dislike old people either. I'm just saying there are certain old people that I don't like. Like this woman, <laughs> if I met her in person, I probably wouldn't like her. As a Maggie, Maggie Banks. I Maggie Banks. Which is a a combination, if I'm remembering correctly, of Maggie Smith and Mrs. Banks, who was in... Mary Poppins. Mary yes, Poppins. You oh, are correct. It's Maggie Smith and... Um, Oh, that's now that's gonna drive me crazy that I can't remember her first name, but yes, uh, Mrs. Banks. Um, and but I would love Lando Calrissian. What's his name? <laughs> Billy D. Williams. No, but on the on the on the episode. Oh, I uh, don't remember. I mean, I can't remember. <laughs> okay, well, it doesn't matter. We'll just call him Billy or Lando Calrissian. Yes. <laughs> I love that Lando Calrissian ends up in a Broadway retirement home doing <laughs> Peter Pan. <laughs> Why do I have the note Homokio? Who called him Homokio? Oh, I don't know that. I can't remember. I uh, hey, oh, Santana. Yeah, Santana. That sounds and like it, a San... Yeah. That's, which I'm pretty sure Chris came up with that. Because that sounds like, again, something that Chris would write. And I'm sorry, this whole entire episode is like, and Chris wrote this, and Chris wrote this. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> duh, yes. Chris wrote the whole episode. <laughs> First of all, no, I think, I think all. That we should. I wonder if there's anything on Tumblr complaining about the writers calling calling Kurt Homokio and oh, how that would be this on Chris. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find that. I'm now. Sure, there's somebody. <laughs> How dare they call Kurt Homokio? I'm like pretty sure Kurt like, called. Him I that. like if somebody just wrote that like trolling. Like I'm gonna see if anybody. <laughs> That's funny. So, oh well. But yeah, I, Memory's nice. It's not my favorite Kurt solo, but no, um, not by far. 
uh, you know, it's, and uh, he handles it well. And it's just because Cats is just not my favorite, you know, musical. But I don't think there's anything bad or wrong with it. Um, well, so. it's kind of creepy. People in cat cat paint. Basically. True. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's super creepy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Oh. So. But, you know, every time I hear memory, I think of Bar- Barbara Streisand, which is, like, kind of appropriate. But it's all also just, like, I, that's still what I hear. Like, actually, when I was like, oh, wait, I forgot this. Like, I don't think I downloaded it. Because I'll still hear Barbara Streisand singing it, even if Chris is singing it. So why even bother? Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so. <sighs> um, so. Before we get into the the next Kurt scene, there is the scene, which is one of my favorite scenes in this in the episode, where Rachel's trying to like spruce up her image by walking all of these dogs. Yeah. And like there I I do like the really fake Blaine and Artie are on the curb and they're like, oh my God, is that like funny girl famous Rachel Barry? And Artie has a line <laughs> that chimes in. And then I love that they show Artie, he's not able to get off the curb because there's no ramp and it is a nice little moment they did that in the apartment too because Artie goes can somebody take me down the stairs like (laughs) (laughs) but I I remember seeing meta about it back when the show aired um that it was a nice little nod to that like handicapable people like have a harder time in cities sometimes because it's not there's not easily accessible stuff there so i think that was a nice little addition but then but then we get rachel getting dragged down the street by dogs (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) and that just cracks me up it does yeah those are not good good shoes for walking a pack of dogs <laughs> I just I would have loved to see Lisa Lisa. God man, Leah reading the script and being yes. like, Oh, I'm being dragged down by dogs. Okay. <laughs> I mean, honestly, she's a trooper. She did it and she did it with a smile on her face. <laughs> I like it. Okay, so yeah, after that happens. Do you um, think they had a stunt Rachel in there? Did they? I don't know. I'm just wondering. Maybe I don't know. they, they could have a body double. I'm sure they well, did. Especially for the, the actual dragging. I think yeah. they did the stunt double. But yeah. But I had so. to ruin the I but she still had to do, you know, lie on she the ramp f- and flail. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of right. but yeah, because it does show like in there uh, uh, somebody is getting dragged in a skirt on sidewalk. So. Um so yeah. Rachel is nursing herself when Kurt gets in and he's all excited. I love how excited he is when he comes in and he has the poster and he's like, look, it's, it's me. I know. And then he's like, the Peter Pan had dropped out. She dropped yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> that is also a Chris. I could literally see that. Chris saying that she dropped <laughs> out. She dropped out. <laughs> oh man! <clears throat> but yeah, and Santana mocks him, which is I mean, does anybody expect anything less from Santana at this point? No. And um, 
And then, yeah, this is where this is where they get in the huge fight where yes. he kind of goes all meta on it and says, basically, you know, I'm always there for you and you're never there for me. And, um, you know, you're you only want to be friends when it's convenient for you. And I'm like, yes, that's what it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> he kind of calls the other writers out on writing this ridiculousness. Yeah, I think I like posted a lot of quotes on Tumblr from this uh this uh rampage. I probably did too. It was a lot of like, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Exactly. And it's I think it's a ever so slightly frustrating that he goes back on it so easily because I'm like, yes, this is how it's been since season 3. Um, but I guess you have to wrap everything I mean, up in 42 that's minutes. Just so at the at the crux of their relationship, that's how it is. You know what I mean? Like Kurt is going to be the giver and Rachel's going to be the taker. Mm. Yeah. So, so for better or worse, that's how it is. <laughs> um, so then we get more Peter Pan rehearsal time. And I wrote in my notes, like I don't, uh, there's, um, it's a dress rehearsal and there's some more heavy headedness about how you're only as young as you feel. Um, I'm like, I don't think it's bad, but does every scene have to have this speech about it? Right. (laughs) Agreed. So, so I'm super, super old. I'm like 800 years old. Oh, <laughs> because you feel eight hundred years old. Because I, I feel so wise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why nobody my age could possibly know as much stuff as I do. <laughs> anyway. yeah. Um, but yeah, then we get this this little moment where Maggie gets some flowers, and she says that they're from her daughter. But they're not really from her daughter, as the nurse will later tell. Oh wait, her. are we right. skipping over the part where Kurt busts through the, with the, in the harness? Oh, oh yeah, oh. Yes, let's talk about that. No, let me forget that. You're oh my floor. gosh! See, this is, where are your got, hosting duties? Come on, Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like got the little harness on with his jeans, and oh, and then you're just like in the perfect hair. Yeah, nice. It's just delightful. <laughs> delightful in this entire episode, and I am not ashamed to admit it. His hair looks great in all of these scenes, too. It does. Like, oh I mean, it looks good most of this season, but it looks really good in this episode. Oh. Um, I'm sure there are some funny one-liners. I just feel bad that I did not write any of them down. I'm trying so. to think. I mean... In this particular scene, you mean? Or? Yeah, in this particular oh, okay. scene. Or if it's just him on that harness dancing around. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will be completely honest. I was a little distracted. <laughs> too, too distracted by the harness. <laughs> Who cares what the plot is? By the hair. <laughs> and the, and the, the <laughs> I'm here, children. And then he, like, gets pulled back. <laughs> And the old people being so cute in the background. Oh, my God. I can't get enough of those adorable old people. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Okay. Um, so then we get a scene where I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say about it. Um, oh, wait. Here's a one-liner. Okay. Ever since you've been a question on Jeopardy, you've been, yes. you've been such a know-it-all. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was something funny in that scene. Yeah. Uh, 
Ever since yeah. you were a question on Jeopardy, you've been a know-it-all. I yeah. love it. Maggie says that to to Billy D. Williams. I wonder if Leah yeah. was ever the the question on, or somebody from the staff or on on the cast or something like that. Oh, I wonder oh, if that was a nod like, to somebody. Oh, yeah. Jeopardy last yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> Blind <laughs> item gossip here. Who right, was the has been a question several times. I remember that, but I don't know about any specific actor. I have no idea. That's funny, though. <laughs> is it this scene or the other one where Maggie goes and tell, yells at someone, hearing aids are essential for play rehearsal? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the other scene. I think but it's I, the other one, but still. Oh, it's good. He Chris is very witty and very good with one-liners. And, he has, he has uh, very, he's a pretty good comedic writer. I will yes. say that. Yeah, that's what I just as an aside real quick. I wish he had done. I wish Glee had gone on just a little bit longer. So he had a second chance because I think that I don't know. I think he'd make a good TV writer, but that's just me. So Um, so yeah, we get the scene. Okay. Um, (laughs) where he goes and he pretends that he has created an oil spell so that he can get in to talk to um, Maggie's daughter, Clara. And then when Clara tells him, basically, she was an awful mother and I don't have a good relationship, he's like, well, I don't have a mother. You need to come see your daughter. Right. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah, totally inappropriate. Bad idea. Great. It worked in the show, but like, yeah, not, yeah. I would not recommend that approach to anybody. (laughs) No, for sure not. And uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too far into this, but it's just, it's, it gives me the ickies because it's like, you don't, you don't owe your parent who did not do a good job while you were younger, you don't owe them anything. Right. So you don't need to like for him to put that guilt trip on her. It frustrates me. Cause I'm like, Kurt, you had a great dad and yes, you know, you guys had some difficulties probably after your mom died and it was really hard for you, but your dad was always in your corner no matter what. So you don't really understand what it's like to have a parent that's not, and that's, you know, forgets you places and doesn't plan your birthday parties or doesn't come or is too focused on their own life to deal with yours. So the fact that he like guilts her into doing something that she's not comfortable doing and, you know, whatever you could say, whatever, but it just, it gives me the ickies and I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, like, why it works in the end is that, you know, I'm convinced that she's making a decision for herself because if she didn't, Mm -hmm. if she really, if she was, if she didn't have some reason to go, I don't think, she doesn't know this kid. Right, So she can tell him she's going to get, to, to, um... You know, to get him out of the office, but but in terms of her actually showing up in the end, then, okay, then she does have her own reason to right. show up. There must have been something good. But the problem, I mean, you know, I just, well, hopefully nobody is using Glee in the first place. <laughs> right. Their lesson on how to behave in life. Yeah, uh, please don't yes. do that. Please but, don't. you know, I mean, not only does he have no, no, like, the neglect stuff, but, like... There 
could be much worse stuff going on. He really right. has no idea. And people who have been horrible to family members may move on, you know, in another, maybe, maybe Maggie was horrible or abusive or, you know, it could have been, you know, maybe not her, but anyway, speaking of her personal experience, you know, you can have somebody who's like really abusive or whatever. And then maybe years later they do regret it or they do, um, you know, maybe they do become better people, but but the person that they abuse has no responsibility to try to have a relationship with exactly. that because because that's still like scar that can still be scarring for them. Now yes. they might they might not want to, but it's just like so so wrong for him to think that you know just because she they're biologically related that they need to have this relationship. You know, I mean, he obviously loves Maggie, but that doesn't mean that that. Right. That the right. daughter has to. Well, in, in addition, like Maggie's feeling remorseful, but just because she has remorseful in, in her old age does not atone for the fact that she still did whatever those things with her daughter. So, yeah, Kurt can come in and later he's going to say, well, why don't we become our family? And that's fine. Like if they can form a new bond and Maggie can get a surrogate son and he can get his own kind of mother, grandmother, that's totally cool. But you know, and I kind of wish, they, I mean, I don't feel like they even needed the daughter. I think it was like, if you cut that yeah. out, it, you could have had the story where they kind of find, maybe, maybe it's a little Harold and Maude, but um, you can have this. <laughs> Except he's gay. <laughs> so they're uh, yeah. not going to end up sleeping together. No, 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 no. no I'm sorry. <laughs> not to go back. to old people? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But you you can have this relationship right. or this friendship or this bonding and still she doesn't need to, you know, resolve her past mistakes to still feel like, oh, I'm still, you know, life is still worth living, right. even though I'm this age, if that makes any sense. Yeah. The only thing, and I agree with you, Albright, that like, you know, she had to, there was a reason why she wanted to come and it's not, she doesn't owe this kid anything, but the only thing that well, not the only thing, but the main thing that really gets me is like, and again, you know, please don't take Glee as a way of dealing with your own personal issues, but it's like that <laughs> whole planting a seed of doubt into her brain, like, oh, well, maybe I have been too hard on her, and maybe I have been, like, maybe I should, you know what I mean? Like, that's what yeah. me, like, I don't, that's what I don't like, like, it's none of your business, you don't need to insert yourself into what happened between them over the course of this woman's life. Okay. Yeah. You be an okay person to her now, but you don't just because you lost your mom and that's a very horrible thing. And that's your right. story, but it's not hers. And she right. doesn't need to make up for the fact that you lost your mom. Yeah. Maggie mm -hmm. can be your mom now. Right. Doesn't need to be. Yeah, exactly. So that's my one actual like complaint about this episode i think it's a very fun very funny very entertaining episode but i think that whole mother-daughter story didn't even need to exist you have enough no. story in there why well, we needed to just spend more time with the old people and more land right. and right. that would have been I agree with you like if you take that part out you just lift it out of the story then the story works just fine without it so you don't need it and and it's still icky so yeah. I just kind of like pretend like it didn't. Except that uh, 2014 Wow Bright would have disagreed with you that it was unnecessary. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I was going all through my 
close. And I mean, I guess this does make sense. It's super meta. And I don't even know if if Chris would have been thinking of this, but I kind of, I, you know, when I, I also kind of read the scene as a way of reading Kurt talking to himself, like, because Kurt, Kurt, like, he has these gifts easily in a way but it's like this choice he for and and i think we could say that he forgives too easily i think a lot of people would say that about some mm-hmm. of the decisions to forgive but i think that part of the reason he does it is because he like his anger is very visceral he and i think he's afraid of that i don't mm-hmm. know this thing and so i felt like p- part of the scene could be the kurt who always decides to forgive people talking to the part of him that's so very he's both cool. Maggie and the daughter. No, he's both Kurt in the, in the scene where he's talking to the daughter. Oh, both of them are Kurt, and it's the and it's the Kurt trying to prematurely forgive somebody talking to the Kurt who was really injured and and is really angry, but also like not comfortable with that, like doesn't want to be in that angry place. And so then there's the, we'll go ahead and forgive part of Kurt. And I guess I just, you know, I saw okay. those, as, I, I got super meta and, and thought about it that way. as like a character struggle. Well, I mean, if you can bring something good out of that, because I do think that's <laughs> fascinating, that's totally fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I, as a, but yeah, what, I don't know, but we can also just talk about, I, there might've been another way to do it, but, um, that was kind of a oh I, I I I do struggle with that with Kurt like I love the fact that he forgives people but I it also makes me angry was because struggle, I think like yeah just like a, just in a way where it's like really unhealthy for him um so. like with Karofsky uh, but anyway yeah. <laughs> actually oh with Blaine really uh, more actually with Blaine than with Karofsky because I don't think he forgave Karofsky for a while this is my opinion and I know That's it's okay. not, I've people. Yeah, I'm not. That's okay. You can have. This is a podcast. My feelings about Kurt, like their the the forgiveness part with Kurt and Karofsky. Though I think maybe that was premature. I don't know, but I think with Blaine, um, like he had not, and you know when they when he starts dating Blaine again, he still had not forgiven Blaine for. For cheating on him, but he thought he had, or he like made this decision to do it, but he was still really angry about it. And so the quote unquote forgiving was more about stifling his anger than about actually like trying to heal from it. I don't necessarily completely disagree with you on that because I do think all of that plays into why they break up a second time. Yes, I would agree with that. I don't I don't necessarily completely 100% agree, but I also don't disagree with you. I think that I don't know if it was anger so much as like sadness and hurt that he was ignoring, but I do think that there was still emotions there that he wasn't because he missed Blaine and he wanted to be back with him, so he like forgave him, quote unquote. Yeah. But well, didn't and with really... Finn too. I guess I yes. just saw it hap- happening a lot, and so to me it's like of course Kurt is going to expect the daughter to forgive Mm -hmm. because he thinks that's the right thing to do, but it's also, but look at this turnaround with Rachel. I mean, not just even in this episode, but like, you know, bash, they got in a really bad fight and he's very quick, but their entire relationship has also been, 
you know, very quick 180s on he gets really yeah. mad at her and then he just, okay, like, I, I forgive you, I forgive you. Well, except so. for the one about the <laughs> presidential, uh, the student body president, like, they were mad at each other for, like, two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a long time in Glee World. <laughs> Oh. I'm totally kidding. But no, that's an interesting, you know, it's kind of cool because like, I know that we all bring in our own experiences and I've been so in my own headset that I do think that it's valid that people have different interpretations of the same fictional character. I mean, that I think that's one reason fandoms get so crazy and hung up. They're just not allowing for people to, you know understand things through the prism of their own experiences and it's just going to be different than what you experience so that's why but yeah I guess my point about this uh, I mean tying it back to the scene is just that like the scene even though I was uncomfortable with it and made me angry or you know at least was like oh my god Kurt don't do that (laughs) it was like very for me it was like very in line with something that Kurt would do plus he's a meddler total meddler yeah so yes. he wants people to forgive and he's a meddler so boom hi well, it's also kind of funny because I, I don't feel like Kurt gets enough credit for this but I do think that he likes people getting along he wants to yeah. make sure yes. people are all happy and, he is and getting along he is yeah. a big peacemaker so yeah. which is odd because he's an only child but Oh, but the only child stuff comes out too all the time. Yes, it does. <laughs> like, I will not share my toys. Really with you. aren't peacemakers. They're really instigators. No. But there's a lot of only children on this show. You notice that? Um, because yeah, and I could go on forever about this, but yeah, there's a lot of only children on this show, except for like Brittany mentions once that she has a little brother, and Puck has a little sister and brother. Doesn't Santana have? something i thought not she that mentioned she ever mentioned. not that she mentioned oh. blaine has a brother blaine but. has an older brother yeah which i always thought blaine was a middle child yeah. but that's Who neither there. and yeah. then um up until literally up until the wedding episode i had canon that he was an he was a middle child that he had an older brother and a younger sibling but anyway that's neither here nor oh, you just thought like a, a, there was like a younger sibling was gonna pop up or you thought it had been mentioned too and no know. i thought that he because he just i did a whole paper on this in my in a psychology class in college about birth order and he displays okay. a lot of middle child oh yeah he, yeah oh yeah one middle child. Child. you can also yeah. you can also interpret all his behaviors a child of an alcoholic, so right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which There's would make so sense. Many ways you can interpret his his behavior. Yeah, yeah. Blaine is very well. I think a lot of I think that they are so. I don't want to say undefined, but I think there's so much that they Glee leaves open that Glee will give you like the big points of like this happens and this happens and this happens. But all of that connective tissue you have mm-hmm. to fill in the blanks for. Right. Which so. is it's fun for fandom. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's not so great for like a general watcher who just wants more, you know what I mean? Like more detail, but for fandom, it's But fun. that's how general watchers become members of fandom. That's true. Yeah. That's how I became. I wanted to know more. So me yeah. too. Yeah. And I found sick on Twitter and I was like, what is this? <laughs> but you, but you found fandom on Twitter? Uh, yeah. I was like the end of season three, like the summer between season three and season four. And I was on Twitter and I didn't really know about fandom much, but I knew like people on Twitter that were in fandom. 
and somebody tweeted a fic and I was like, what is this? And then I read it and I was like, oh, I want to find more. And so then I, I like traced the fic back to Tumblr and that's how I discovered Tumblr. Oh, wow. I, I discovered it through Google probably. Yeah, I'm sure that was the search engine. I was like, it was, it was between, I'm totally off, but I, it was between <laughs> season two and and uh three and i was just like and i was seriously this is like how could i have not been in a fandom before because and i did this with <laughs> x-files too like i'd be, be like sitting around in summer oh you know what kurt's up to right now and they're like and kurt Blaner <laughs> hanging out no oh, i did the same you know? and, <laughs> and then i was like oh god i can't and then like finally it was like three weeks until glee started and i was like i can't wait anymore <laughs> what other people think think is going on right now so so ended up i unfortunately had the unfortunate you know of you know i'd watched the show since the beginning but in the middle of season three i started um kind of just you know dicking around on the internet and then I, i i actually watched like all of the chris and darren interviews and i was like oh this is that awesome i'm these guys are awesome and so i i got onto tumblr and then all of the crap. I mean, there was all this stuff about on my way and all of these spoilers and all of this oh. stuff. And oh, oh my yeah. God, why did I, I don't even know how I joined because that was, it was nonstop until the breakup and then it just got, yeah, whatever. I, <laughs> I think I, I actually, I, was I even on Tumblr by the, I know I stayed off Tumblr for a really, really long time. I don't time. believe Relative. it was bad. So afraid of all the spoilers but because I got spoiled on, on, um, uh, what's the one where they go to the gay bar and Sebastian? Oh, the first time. Yeah, I got spoiled on some stuff about the first <laughs> time and totally like, okay, so like you know these fictional characters become my friends or they or I you know they become part of my psyche they become me and like I'm worrying about like what's you know like oh yeah. that'd be so horrible and da 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 you know and oh uh, and like I'm so emotionally invested I was like I can't you yeah. know it's it's like somebody. It's like it's like if a psychic actually told me what was actually going to happen in like three months from now in my life. That's how bad like it was psychologically. For me to spoiler, so I just uh, I just fandom being vicious, and I just I, you know never like I was in a fandom before, but it was a forum based thing, and it wasn't it was such a small thing that like oh, yeah. this was such a, a foreign concept. So uh, just a lot of badness and then around season five when like well and then there was the season six plane off stuff that got whatever i really started having fun when the show was over yeah. <laughs> same so. i heard about i i got spoiled on blanovsky from a from a uh what was it? A, a, a Kurtowski fan oh who wasn't even doing anything hadn't been doing anything about glee in years and all of a sudden this stuff starts showing up on her feed and i actually fortunately i thought oh this is like trolling or a joke i re- i had no idea I, it was it was, on the writer's oh. part it was definitely trolling <laughs> 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 i'm sure they did that on purpose but anyway we'll save that for season six. <laughs> all right that's a season six conversation because we <laughs> can sit and talk about that for hours yeah. <laughs> yeah. back to season five um <laughs> sorry um, so actually we are up to the one claim scene in here, which I think is actually really sweet. Um, you have Bean Blaine's favorites from season five. Yeah. Blaine's helping Kurt, um, with his outfit. His glowing and, pieces on him. 
gluing the leaves on. And I like where um, Blaine jokingly, oh, hold on, I guess trucks need to go by or something. Um, Blaine jokingly says, I'm missing all this stuff with June. And I love that Kurt's like, well, my old ladies are better than your old ladies. Right. <laughs> it's just a cute little banter. Like one of my favorite things about Glee is they will show you something once and you're supposed to assume that it happens a lot. And so this is one of those scenes where I'm like, this is a very common banter with them. They're like, my old ladies are cooler and yours are boring and like you know what I mean I just can see them bantering a lot about this kind of stuff and I also like that Blaine takes a moment to say you know I'm glad you seem happy because you haven't seemed happy lately and Hmm. like you know retirement I he just like I never thought a retirement home would make somebody happy but (laughs) yes and then Kurt says you know it's the first time that he's moved to New York that he feels like he is progressing and doing something worthwhile and that's meaningful to him and Blaine yep. is accepting of that and right you know so yeah. it also feels when Blaine leaves it feels very significant otherish you know he mm-hmm. gets him a kiss on the cheek and walks out and like Kurt's like oh yeah don't sit in the first row because of Gladys and her like issues <laughs> <laughs> right I just love the look on Blaine's face he doesn't even say anything he's just like oh okay <laughs> right like that's a normal thing for us to say to each other let me just <laughs> go on <laughs> So, but it's very sweet and it didn't have to be in the episode, but you know, it, yeah, so just a nice it little did thing. have to be in the episode. <laughs> yes. The overall episode, what will I like? It was like very positive. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, like, yes, there were like insults thrown and there was conflict, <laughs> but it was like very, like, this, you know, it was. I don't know, even the insults weren't as mean. I don't know, I just felt yeah. like, you know, and it's really about, like, these, this, you know, chosen family or, like, finding. That's what I felt like. And actually, oh, yeah. in that way, like, having the daughter come back, you know, was maybe wrong. Because I think, like, Lee and the, the New York Maggie could have been part of his chosen family. But mm-hmm. anyway, whatever. Yeah. I get it. No, it makes sense. And I also like that it's a another little moment to say, hey, this story isn't ultimately about Kurt and Blaine. This is just about Kurt and where he is in his life at this moment. Um, and just feeling. No, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, but yes, you're correct. But also Blaine is part of his story, too. Yes. That's what I feel like this, this thing was saying. Like, the story is not about Kurt and Blaine. But Blaine is still part of Kurt's story. Which, and as an aside, and you guys can disagree with me on this if you want, I wish that there had been more stories like that. Like, I I don't think that, as much as I love Kurt and Blaine stuff, and as much as I love, like, you know, their relationship stuff, I think that there was still room to tell stories with them individually. Um, Even in, like, in this New York arc, when they're all still together, um, but you know, they're still doing separate things. So, I mean, this yeah. could lead into a huge, big discussion where I air a bunch of grievances and we won't go there, but <laughs> I to say, I completely agree. And I like, <clears throat> I like that this story, like I just said, it's like not about Kurt and Blaine, but Blaine is still part of Kurt's story. And I wish that Blaine could have gotten a story like that too. Where the story is not about Kurt and Blaine together, but Kurt is part of Blaine's story. Yeah, that's. I kind of wish that. I mean, I know, understand why they did it, and there were some stuff that they needed to address, but that June stuff could have been about Blaine. And yeah, and, and it didn't need to be about Kurt. Like, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand they wanted to address some of the relationship issues that had been going on to that but point. See, but really see I just it. strongly disagree because everything has to be about Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got me there. No. <laughs> also, he needs a solo in every episode or maybe three. <laughs> it was we... nice getting three solos for him. <laughs> Even if one of them wasn't really a solo. Well, what was the third one? Oh, two. Sorry. Well, I mean, he does sing a lot on the last one, but... Yeah, it's not really solo. Anyway. Um, so, so, yeah. So, let's talk about the Peter Pan costume. Oh. <laughs> So I don't know, but actually, I didn't notice the. I mean, it it fits well and stuff, but his hair is really. Oh yeah, like what why does he do his hair me? like I, that Maybe all that's the time. not your question. What does it for me? But <laughs> hair, man. Not you I'm know, like, I, he very clearly made that costume because Blaine's helping him finish it. You what? I said I f- I like that he very clearly made that costume because Blaine's oh, yeah. helping finish it. Yeah. That that seems like a very Kurt thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah, a little that, bit of continuity too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just that hair. Why can't he do his hair like that all the time? Oh my goodness. That's some great hair. Sorry, I just made an awkward noise, but it was <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then he decides to take a moment backstage and call Rachel and uh, basically apologized to her for yelling at her, but like, oh, Kurt, okay. <laughs> I know. I kind of, oh, I wish he hadn't. I get why. I understand why, because he's supposed to be like, you know, how I forget when, which a season it was where Kurt's like, why can't, or Chris said, why can't Kurt ever zing back? And Ryan or whatever is like, because Kurt has to be the bigger person or whatever. So I get why. I just don't like it. I And it also needs to set up the end of the conversation where Rachel's there. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that's like, it, it would have been interesting for him to just kind of like peek out and see her there. But yeah. I understand that their dialogue helps that along a little bit. So. I love that Sam is blowing him kisses. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like the look on Rachel's face though. She's like, What? I'm here. I'm here. What are you gonna spell? And Blaine's cute little wave. It's just a, it's a sweet little like his little aw, see they came and then he waves. It's like the little kid at the recital. Well, okay, it's opposite because he's not in the audience, but you know. I mean yeah. in the audience, he's not the little kid up at the recital, but it it reminds me of that. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we get our performance of Peter Pan, which is only really we get the lucky star. Mm-hmm. So um if I remember correctly, can if my memory if I'm just pulling this out of my butt, but I don't think I am. Um Lucky Star is one of the songs that Chris did get to pick because it was something that he exercises to and he really loves it, <laughs> so he wanted to put it in there. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I completely believe you. <laughs> Because it sounds correct. Yeah. <laughs> that and memory. I feel like he picked memory, Yeah, memory too. I think he picked, too. And I feel like uh, Kevin McHale said he picked Werewolves of London, too. Of course. Even though he doesn't sing that. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Where's Artie and Mercedes in the audience? They're they're not there. 
No, Artie's there. Artie's behind Blaine. Oh. And Mercedes, Mercedes must be right. I don't know where Mercedes is, but she's is there. Mercedes is Mercedes out of town? town? No, because no, she's going to be in the end. Artie has McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> in the yeah, audience? Artie. Oh, yes, really? I have this. I have this still of Blaine. Maybe and Santana so. and Mercedes are getting the other place ready and getting yes. the bus. Maybe they, Santana's driving the bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, help those people! <laughs> yeah, Art's definitely there. I don't see Mercedes though. Yeah, and Santana's not there either. So, well, we can head can and they're getting stuff ready for afterwards. Right. Um. So. But yeah, so there's Lucky Star, and Chris looks like the most happiest person, and so does Kurt. <laughs> like, like the happiest person, oh. and just flying around, flying around in that harness. <laughs> in the harness. There's like, I I realize it probably is choreographed, but it still feels like it's just I'm just dancing around, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's. The production, it would have been kind of interesting to see just a little bit more of it, though. Yeah, I mean, it's the show's just not long enough. It would have been yeah. interesting more, but I get why they didn't put more in there. Oh. Um, I do have to say, yeah. what, does, what does Lucky Star have to do with Peter Pan? Like, I couldn't what? really make... Well... Can somebody make a meta meta kind of connection here between the old people and peter pan <clears throat> what does what does lucky star have to do with oh lucky you star know, you know how yeah. they say uh second <laughs> to the right and straight on till morning i think it's a call to that yeah. okay oh you yeah see, lucky I star peter pan uh recently enough so they should have done the entire you're right they should have done the whole peter pan play hey if they can get matt bowmer to stick around and do a little like um commercial for himself or audition tape for michael bay yes they could have put on a whole play <laughs> of peter pan and put it as like an extra on the dvd i mean come on yeah. so um so as it ends um oh what do you guys think oh real quick before during the song we get we get all of these the old people as young kids like it flashes to them right like your what are your guys's comments on that i I don't really have a comment (laughs) it's something they did i didn't really particularly i did not like it but i don't know if i needed it it's kind of like when they flashback earlier. You know what I mean? Whatever. Well, and it's not even, it's yeah. like for like a split second too. Like it's not even very long. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's more about, I mean, it makes sense as part of Peter Pan or part of like acting mm-hmm. maybe as method acting or whatever, but it doesn't mean anything to me emotionally because like I wouldn't want to be a kid again. It's yeah. Just, play as an adult you know i think that adults don't play enough it's good to have to like to uh to revisit some of the qualities we may have had as children and maybe there are adults who who had great you know totally awesome childhoods and would love to be a kid again i don't want to but i like there are definitely qualities that probably i don't emphasize enough in my life that i would like as a kid so maybe that you know i that's probably what that's getting at yeah. Well, that you know, you're as young as you feel. Thing. Yeah, or like they now they have a I don't know now they have a <laughs> reason to keep going because they did this play and I 
they're still young at heart. Their youth has returned. Well, that's what, okay, so then Which in some ways is problematic, but... Yeah. Whatever. We could go, we could go all, all, in all directions. Problematic, yeah. not problematic. <laughs> well, Glee, is it comedic? Is it dramatic? It's really, is it problematic or is it not? <laughs> That's just Glee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so then we get the end and Rachel gushes that, you know, someday there'll be old people in a home, which I can see that actually. Um, yes. Is it you, Pam, that wrote that horribly sad old people? One where I killed Blaine off. Yes! <laughs> oh, I did. I, I did. And it's, oh, my God. Okay, so it's really short, and it's actually... Oh, um, so it's It's basically uh, Blaine is dying, and it's Kurt's oh. last... Like he, he goes around and he talks about like Rachel's passed on and he's going to like box up all the bow ties and he's selling the house. And, oh. you know, I wanted, you know, I wanted you back from the hospital, not for you, but for me, because I'm having a hard time. And then he goes and he, he curls up against Blaine and Blaine basically is hallucinating and is like, you know, he's like, Kurt, are you there? And he's like, yeah, I'm here. And he's like, I'll meet you at the bottom of the stairs. And then he oh. passes away. it's it's one of my favorite things and i wrote it before people knew who i was it's called ultra no it's called the end of the story and it's it made me cry writing it um i recommend it it just made me tear up just replaying it because i remember (laughs) reading it for the first time and i was like (laughs) <laughs> but I I also have a headcanon that people really seem to like, even though it was depressing, where Blaine dies 10 years before Kurt does. And Kurt's yeah. like this cantankerous, grumpy old guy. And he'll get really ornery about things in his home. And he get he just yeah. like just a tedious old man. And people don't like him. And then one of the nurses are like, no, you just need to know how to talk to him. And you bring him back. And you're like, okay, Kurt. Like, tell me about the old days. Tell me about Blaine. And he gets really quiet. And then he'll just start his story and he'll calm down. And Okay, now I'm crying. I know, right? I remember that one, too. That one made me cry, too, Pam. <laughs> oh that was just a headcanon. I never wrote that up. Um, um, if you did, I, I would make you... I don't, I don't know. know. I I kind of like old Clayton or an old Hummelberry and old, like, Kurtzadies. And, like, I like the ends of stories so mm-hmm. writing like the part where they get to the death part for some reason it's what is wrong with me that like, <laughs> let's write about old people i mean there's something to saying like they made it to the end and they still yeah. are very much in love and you know there's like kurt sadies and hummelberry they're still very care very deeply about each other and they've made it all the way to the end. I can read that more than I can read, like, when they die early. I can't handle that. But, Aww. like, reading, like, that kind of stuff, I I mean, I cry. But it's kind of like when I watch the soldiers coming home with surprising their kids yeah. kind of cry. It's a cry I need. And I think it's just, a, for me, it's, I want to know how it ends. I'm like, where does the story actually end? Oh, when they die. That's it. That's the end. <laughs> and so I want to get to that point. And for some reason, because I'm a, I'm horrible to Kurt, I always feel like he dies alone. Like, he's the last one to go. <laughs> I think it's because I literally cannot stand, because uh, I agree. I completely agree that I feel like Kurt, and probably lived quite a bit longer 
than Blaine mm-hmm. does. But I think it's because my brain literally can't imagine Blaine outliving Kurt. Like, I can't. Yeah, I can't either. I, you mean because, like, Blaine would be even more dysfunctional than Kurt? After, I just Kurt don't. Died, or? Like, I yeah. Remember, oh, so so my grandparents, I was just saying, my grandparents had this amazing marriage. They fell in love within two weeks of meeting each other, were married for, like, 65 years. And when my grandma passed away, we literally said, we need to prepare ourselves because he's not going to last lot, much longer. And he lasted, like, six months. Because wow. he's not... He just, he wasn't even sick. He just literally just faded away Mm. because he could not live without Mm. her. So that's kind of how I feel about Blaine. Like he just. Yeah, no, I think so. He just wouldn't be able to keep, not that he wouldn't be able to keep going, but like, it's like, he just would, he would just kind of fade away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Kurt is more resilient and not, I'm not saying it as any kind of discipline. It's more of like a Kurt seems to. I feel like. Kurt yeah. is more like like anger would keep him alive almost. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I totally know what you mean. That just to get too personal, because like my my, well, I don't know. Now it's been a while. It was like four years ago. My dad died really suddenly, oh, and no. um, I, he was he's, he's like he was like to, well he was older than my mom, but he was always more healthy. Like mm-hmm. he was hiking until well he died at seventy eight, and he was hiking and blah blah blah. And so I was never sure who was going to die first, except that his mind seemed to be going a little, I wasn't really, anyway, but he died. And my sister told my mom, I mean, I'd never really thought about it. I'd actually, and she was like, Oh, I'm so glad that in a way that, that dad died first. Cause I think he just would have totally been, yeah. you know, he, he would not have known what to, how to live alone, you know, oh, yeah. um, you know, whereas where, you know, my mom is very independent. And so she's, right. My dad's Blaine. You know, she misses him and stuff, but she... Yeah, but she's still okay going on. Right. And it's nothing against either one of them. It's just that... That's just what... It's just what, how, it, like how their personalities, personalities are. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so shameless plug, if you want to go read it, you can find me at Space Orphan on AO3, and it's called The End of the Story. Check it out. It's so oh, good. <laughs> it's horrible. But Sorry. you will cry. Like, literally, you will cry. Even if you're not a crier. <laughs> so back to happier things. Um, we get Maggie and Clara. Clara does come. And, and yeah, we as we said, I, I agree with you guys that think that she did come on her own accord. Um, it wasn't because of Kurt. It was because, she, for whatever her reasons are, she felt like it was okay to come talk to her mom again. So... Meanwhile, we have Rachel. Oh, that's right. The Rachel. That's how we got on this topic. Rachel talking about how they're going to be in an old home, and then um, we get Sam talking about. I like he's like those couldn't have been good. That or that horn should not not have been it's comfortable. Not, yeah, no. He says uh, that can't be good for the sack puppies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Down. I actually wrote it down because it was so funny. Oh, it's and so it's another funny. dog reference. Yeah. yeah. I also think it's another criticism because, like, he wanted to make a joke about how, like, because he, he said, Kurt says something about all of those years of wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he said something. I didn't write that part down. He said the the something and the key. And the key. would get that's so funny. The reason his tight jeans are why he can sing so high. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> castration joke is totally up Chris's alley. Um so, so yeah, and then, oh, I had another, okay, so, <laughs> this 
Santana is driving the bus. There's a bus. And I like the guy is like, guys, there's a bus outside. We should just go get on it. I think it's so random. Um, until uh Sam stands up and he's so awkward. He's like, old people freak me out, but you get on the bus. <laughs> and then Blaine takes over. Anyway. <laughs> um, oh, but I I Okay, this is just the biggest bit of awkward dialogue. I'm just going to read it because uh, Kurt says to Maggie, what do you say, Maggie? Do you think you got a second act in you? And Maggie says, I never used to believe in second acts, but you've proven me wrong. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, Are you saying that's cheesy? <laughs> it is cheesy. <laughs> that is the cheesiest of cheese. <laughs> Oh, it's Chris Colbert would never write anything cheesy. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Bless his heart. It's cute though. Yeah, it is. It's cute. So yeah, then they go on and that that we get we have Take Me Home, bring it home. Um and we get and it's horrible like montage of dogs and old people. <laughs> Oh my gosh, can I tell you what the horrible thing I thought whenever I was watching that? What? That retirement home is not going to let them take any of those dogs. Oh no. No, there's regular people there. Okay. Regular people. (laughs) I'm sorry. That sounded really bad. And the minute I said it, I'm like, I shouldn't have phrased it like that. I'm sorry. You're problematic. I'm so sorry. I can edit that out, right? There are younger people. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say it that way. Um, <laughs> there are younger people there. But there's families. I mean, there's a little kids. They give, don't they give McConaughey to a family? Well, like an older couple, yeah. Oh, but there are little kids. Because Blaine gives a couple, a, yeah. Blaine gives one to a, a little kid. I know he gives a dog to a little kid. So... There's a lot of people there. See, and the, I, thought, I thought not that B was going to say but that, your, that your bad thought was, oh, we can't have all these old people adopting these dogs because the dogs are going to outlive the... <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> Oh. So oh, I, I said first, so we're <laughs> we're all problematic on this one. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, let's just go. Yeah, take me home. It's pretty straightforward, and it's adorable. And everybody really gets to sing. You can hear Kurt's voice on it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then the episode actually ends with a reporter. Saying, Rachel, you're awesome. And Santana jumps in. She's like, actually, I'm awesome. Um, but then they give uh, Kurt some credit, mm-hmm. and, which is really nice. And yeah. so everybody's happy. And Kurt's wearing a tiger on his shirt. He's wearing a cat on his shirt. I don't know if that means anything. Snarky would tell me if it meant something. but Yeah, I don't know anything about clothing meta. Maybe it means that Chris really wanted to do the whole episode about cats, but... It's harder to get that many trained cats for filming. <laughs> well, he wouldn't have been able to use. I think the line "Broadway bitches" came before dogs. Yeah, so oh, yeah. I'm sure he's writing the episode, and then he's like staring at his own dog and like, oh, it's perfect. 
<laughs> maybe maybe it's just a subtle he he just wants to give a subtle cue to people that cats are awesome too and if you That's can't true. adopt a dog maybe maybe a cat would fit your lifestyle and apartment rules better there you Maybe go. That, that's probably what it is. Or yeah. you know, Kurt is an adorable have... kitty, which, you know. Or, yeah, or maybe you'll just have to have Snarky call in just to give her metal. <laughs> sure. <laughs> just add her on the end of the <laughs> Snarky, what is your two cents about this? And she can just two-minute, like, add it on in the podcast. <laughs> I've never done that before. I should try it. But, <laughs> yeah. Snarky. Uh, if you call her three times, she appears. Really? That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up the episode, unless there was something else in your guides' note that you wanted to touch upon again. Um, well, I know that back in the day I said that, like, I thought there was this theme in the episode of people standing up for themselves and not just... Maybe it was more about, like, boundaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like that Kurt stands up for himself and Mercedes is like setting definite like boundaries mm-hmm. and and it's all done in this way where it's not harmful to other people right I, which I think is just something that I appreciated and that like I felt like was because sometimes you know the different stories in an episode feel a little disjointed and I just mm-hmm. felt like there was something tying them together and that was the best way I could explain it and I don't know if that's that's the best way to but it felt <laughs> like even when they weren't really intersecting that they were still connected. I think the old, I, no, I think the theme is dogs and old people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll tie everything together. Um, I true. wonder if Chris came up with the title first, old dogs, new tricks. When he was just like, this is the perfect thing. It combines my two loves. Old <laughs> people and dogs. And Broadway <laughs> bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he just really wanted to get June Squibb in there and was like, how do I get June Squibb to be my best friend? <laughs> I know, I'll write an episode with her starring in it. Uh, I do remember when um, there, we didn't know why he did this and, and we kind of speculated that this is why, but when he was given permission to actually write an episode and he actually agreed to it because at first he didn't want to, um, he gave the writing staff cupcakes um, because I don't know, maybe they approved his script or something, but <laughs> I don't remember that, but I believe you again. <laughs> you know, one of these days I'm going to play a game and it's like, is this true? Or am I making now, this did up? Did he make the cupcakes himself? Cause apparently he can't cook, but he can bake. That's what oh, I, yeah, what, what, like, what I've seen him say about himself. He right, can't, yeah. He know. said before that he can't really cook, but he can bake. So I would assume that he probably made the cupcakes. Yeah, cupcakes probably. Actual dinner, no. Because didn't he do that food piece a little a couple of years ago, where he talked to some like New York magazine about food, and he said he goes out all the time. Yeah. Yes. Like it's basically well, I think by baking, he means cooking the cake. <laughs> not quiche, but I. Know. <laughs> not meal things, not bread yes. and quiche, and yeah. So but yeah. Well, awesome. This has been a really fun episode. I'm glad we kind of like got into the Kurt stuff because. It's been a while since we've gotten to dig into that. And it is, I do think it's awesome that Chris wrote an episode. I, I think it's nice that he got a chance to do that. So, um, I want well, to thank I, you. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I no, just go ahead. say that the thing I loved about this episode was that I genuinely liked it, even if like Chris Colfer hadn't written it and I didn't have to feel uncomfortable and be like, oh, this is not yeah. good. Because those are I, I really liked the episode. So yeah. even if I hadn't known Chris wrote it, I would be like, this is a really nice episode. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I, I just love this whole stretch of episodes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So join us next week. We are going to wrap up season five with the untitled Rachel Berry project. And yeah, thank you guys for joining me and I'll see you next Sunday. Make me feel so young. You make me feel like spring has sprung. Like the way he's speaking, his confidence is peaking.